How are you doing, Arizona Nation? Welcome back for another edition of the Arizona Podcast. I'm your host, Dax. Uh, Back is uh, Brandon to join me for another exciting episode. Big news coming out of the program. Arizona 24, Arizona State 10. The Sun Devils are facing a third down and uh, nine from the 10. Uh, I'm sorry, a third and goal from the five. Van Rappos rolling, looks back, now he's under some pressure, now he throws, intercepted in the end zone! Martin Rudolph! Oh, Chuck Cecil! Chuck Cecil with Rudolph as a convoy! Chuck Cecil with the longest interception return in Arizona history! Welcome back, Brandon. How you doing, man? Good, man. It's good to be back. Remember, everybody, we're now on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Remember, we're the Arizona Podcast. That's Echo Romeo Alpha Podcast. When you enter your search, remember to follow Gabe Encinas at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon Combs at UVA Bear Down 07. Hobbies at Players Program. You follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast Zona. Visit us on Facebook at the Arizona Podcast and email the podcast at Arizona Podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email, tweet, and Facebook any questions, comments. Finally, be sure to visit playersprogramu.com and azdsrecruitingweebly.com for all the latest on Arizona football. All right, Brandon, welcome back. Uh, not a moment too soon. Big news out of the program. Yates and uh, Rushing were let go from the program. Um, what do you make of the shakeups on the defensive side of the ball? I kind of think that they're warranted and, and to be honest with you, quite, quite needed. Um, you know, Yates just never quite found his footing never could quite get enough traction to get enough you know momentum to to make the defense really solid you know there were flashes and glimpses throughout his what three and a half three and you know three quarters years here and just never seemed to be able to 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 put it all together at once you know i mean there are flashes of it even this year you know even you know beginning of the washington game and beginning of the usc game the defense actually played pretty well and then just couldn't hold up due to you know mistakes on special teams and offense and you know and then even during the four game win streak except for the second half of nau the defense played pretty pretty well and i actually thought that they had turned a corner for a second um until stanford but you know we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah I, I definitely think that 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 yates needed to go um you know and, you know i keep seeing people say you know he's a good dude and he is he's a good dude and he's you know uh just kind of just needed to happen and you know the program needed to move on he needed to move on uh same thing with john rushing you know he never really got um I don't know. He never, he didn't do much with the safeties uh, when he came on to the program and was his first year, it was 2018. So, yeah, he didn't do much with the safeties. There wasn't a lot of, um, a, a lot of, uh, I would say progress from, from when uh, Jamil Adai was here. Um, and then, you know, moving him to, to linebackers was kind of a curious move. I didn't quite understand that, especially since he had never coached linebackers before. Um, and, and honestly, you could kind of see it, uh, like with how the linebackers performed for the, uh, I would say during the losses, uh, is when, when you saw like the curious nature of, of rushing, uh, moving to linebackers and how it wasn't really a good fit, uh, during, during Arizona's win streak, you can see that like the, the way the linebackers are used, the way they're playing, 
it was it was glorious to see Pandy Schooler Fields all out there destroying people and making tackles, making plays, being disruptive. But during the losses, if you notice, they were dropping back into coverage for whatever reason, especially Hawaii and Stanford. Um, you know, they 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 looked okay. Um, actually, they weren't they weren't too bad during during the USC and Washington game, but the Stanford and Hawaii they just it just did not look good. But definitely something that needed to be done, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, a lot's been made out of his tenure here. He's he's moved from multiple position coaches to accommodate other coaches that have come in. One of the areas that a lot of people have discussed with his tenure here is he's had time to get, quote, his own guys, end quote. What do you make of his recruiting uh, during his time in Arizona? And do you feel like that's a fair assessment of his um, time at Arizona in uh, talent acquisition specifically? I think overall his the acquisition on defense hasn't been that that great. Um it it could always be better, right? Uh prime example some some good players that he was able to get, right? Jalen Harris, Colin Schooler, Tony Fields, uh, Christian Young, who's got a lot of potential stuff, so he's still young, you know, he's only gonna grow. I like Josh Brown, he's able to get Anthony Pandy. Bobby Wolf. Yeah, Bobby Wolf, and um, you know, along, along with Meat. Yep, along with uh, Demetrius Martin was able, you know, was able to lead that charge. Roland Wallace. Yep, Roland Wallace too. But then you look at other guys, right? Um, Jose Ramirez, uh, Sione Taufahema, um, Reddy Short. Uh, Trying to think, uh, Curtis Brown, Malik Hausman. Um, See, yeah, and that I mean, you know, those are the ones that would be juniors by now and should should be able to have a, a big impact, but they just they just haven't, you know, they haven't seen the field that much, or they just like I don't think Ray Short's even I don't think he's played in one game. I haven't seen him play in one game. I don't think. Um, so for me, Yates's recruiting has been very very hit or miss. So it, it, it seems like, and I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, that his earlier recruiting wasn't nearly as impressive as his more recent recruiting. Would you put any of that on uh, the off-touted Rich Rod wanted to have more say in how the defense was run? I think it could be it could be yes and no, right? So um, I think that as as a coordinator, it is your responsibility to obviously recruit that side of the ball, right? You know, Nolan Lazzoni is going to be, you know, taking care of offense. He's going to have a specific player he'd like for his offense, right? Well, Marcel Yates is going to have specific players that he wants for his defense. It's his job to advocate to the head coach, hey, we should get this guy because of X, Y, and Z. If he didn't do a good job of that and to convince Rich Rod or even Kevin Sumlin, then, you know, that that, kind of, that onus kind of, fall, kind of falls on him. So ultimately you feel like that's uh... – the blame's going to fall squarely on Yates' uh, shoulders, and there's there's no sort of hand waving or excuse making in regards to Rich's uh, tenure as head coach, and maybe some of the recruiting deficiencies during his time there. Certainly evident when Castile was a defensive coordinator. For sure, yeah. I mean, because you know Castile, we all know Jeff Castile didn't really recruit while he's at Arizona, right? Whereas Marcel Yates did. So completely different recruiting styles for 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 the the you know, defensive coordinator. So at that point, Rich Rod shouldn't have had to worry as much about what was being brought in on the defensive side of the ball. Meaning like he didn't have to be like, boom, hands on right, right in the face and everything like that. He should have been involved in some way, but not 
to the level he was with Castile. Okay. So uh, another er big area of indictment on this defense has been uh, you know, his development and execution, and you've alluded to this with how the linebackers were used. They switched to a four, two, uh, early in the year, and that was an unmitigated disaster at Hawaii. And then they switched back to a, a three, three, and, um, brought in the more talented group of linebackers, and it had an immediate impact. And there were several good games with the most recent letdown coming back. Um, in fact, they were trending positive, um, until the Washington game, which was an understandable, uh, shellacking. Washington came in, and after that, uh, Stanford wake up call and, and had no bones about bringing it to Arizona with, um, I think, uh, Clearly superior talent and the opportunity to grind down the defense, an offense that wasn't firing on all cylinders, and then the special teams woes have been exceptional. And then um, and then subsequently the tumble from there, now putting them in a situation where they just underperformed against the Stanford team that I would argue got back at senior quarterback and has had some times to finally uh, acclimate um, to the offensive line injuries that they've had to sustain with obviously that SC disaster uh, smashed in between. So a bad three-game run, but I think there's plenty of blame to go around. You had mentioned you felt like it was long overdue. I kind of felt like it, it was a bad a bad game at Stanford. It was a bad time to have a defensive let, letdown, really only for half of a game. And in all fairness, they're ranked 104 in S&P Plus on defense. So that's a slight improvement over last year's team, but um, not exactly uh, stellar numbers. I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't get a chance to finish out the season what is your overall take on what this means for the defense going forward with Chuck moving in and the potential positive impact of having Yates uh, out? So I'm going to be quite honest. I'm not sure what, what the future is going to hold for the defense for the rest of the season. I'm actually very, very intrigued to see how they react to having, um, you know, uh, Marcel Yates, who a lot of the players really, really liked, um, you know, having him out and, and then Chuck in, which, you know, let's be honest, Chuck is not a bad replacement, in my opinion. I think he's very personable. He's He knows what he's talking about. I mean, he's one of the best, if not the best, football player in Arizona history. Um, you know, highly successful, not only in college, but even at the NFL level. Um, so I'm, 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 I can't really make an assessment as to what will happen with, with the defense, like how it will look or if, what massive changes we'll see, if any. Um, I do expect that there might be some kind of spark um, to, it's especially, you know, since it's homecoming, you know, they're we're pl- playing back in Tucson um, with with a legend really running the defense. So I'm, I'm in, I think there will be somewhat of a spark and a little bit of energy, and I'm just kind of interested to see how they respond uh, come this weekend. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's uh, reasonable to expect that there's going to be a big emotional lift. Uh, players wanting to play for their coach, this sort of typical post um, coach firing, like uh, Tim Kish uh, in the UCLA game where we ran the uh, the Eagle Flex and uh, absolutely destroyed the Bruins in that game after uh, Stoops was let go, and that one seemed like it was a long time coming too. And also the fact Oregon State's coming to town. Uh, they have a pretty potent offense, and we'll get more into that um, in subsequent uh, podcasts this week. But it'll be interesting to see how much they get lifted. One of the things that Cecil definitely brings to the table that um, – that Arizona has been lacking in is, is two aspects that are off touted for programs. One, he's an Arizona guy, uh, sort of the, the predecessor to the, the 
Desert Swarm um, heyday, and um, two, he's got NFL experience. How much uh, weight do you put on those two factors, and how do you suspect those will play out for the program? I put a lot of weight onto it, especially the NFL, uh, the NFL just experience that he's had uh, as a player and both as a coach. Uh, you, that that kind of that kind of experience is invaluable to you know at, at the college level. You know, a lot of these kids want to you know have aspirations and, and want to play in the NFL. So, who better to coach them than someone who's who's been there, right? Um, as for being in Arizona, uh, uh, you know, person through and through. I know Chuck really loves the city. He and his family really love the city. They love the university. Uh, not only can that resonate with the current team, but I think once he starts to get out recruiting. Um, you know, during his his tenure as the defensive coordinator, and I think that can resonate off the field as well on the recruiting trail. Um, I think he is a great ambassador for the university. I think he is someone that um, can really sell it um, to recruits and stuff. And yeah, I think I think that both of those things can can hold a lot of weight both on and off the field. Well, that's a perfect segue. So one thing he hasn't been involved with his NFL experiences uh, per se is recruiting uh, at the college level. Is this a wait and see how it works out thing? Or do you have a feeling about how he'll respond to that? He certainly is active on Twitter and has a good feed. Yeah, he he really does have a good feed. Uh, I think that it's kind of like DeMarco Murray, right? Like he's, he's never done it before until he became, you know, running back, running back coach for U of A and he's done pretty, pretty good job. I don't know. I don't know if you're, if you've, you know, paid attention to my updates and stuff for, for the commits, but Jalen John is, is one heck of a running back. And I, I, he's, I know Gabe and I have talked about him. He might be both of our favorite uh, commits in the class so far. Uh, Will Plummer is definitely a close second, but, um, yeah, I think that uh, kind of like DeMarco Murray, I think that Cecil could slide right in with no problem. Like I said, he's he's a people person. He's, he's you know talking to him is very easy. Uh, so uh, he should be. He, I think he could do just fine. Good point about uh, Gabe. He's uh, been real busy working as a uh, coach with. He's with North Canyon, right? Yeah, he's with North Canyon. Yeah, so I know he's been real busy with that. And just like you, he hasn't been on the podcast. So definitely a point of emphasis of getting both you guys back and and hitting the recruiting uh, update. That's one of my favorite aspects of the podcast for sure. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. I think he's going to do just fine with recruiting, and I don't think it's going to be uh, that big a deal. I mean, one of the big knocks um, on a lot of coaches, um, you know, or do they have a footprint on the West Coast and this, that, and the other? Uh, you know, while certainly those things are about relationships, uh, a lot of it's about uh, the want to, and um, certainly it's a skill set, and some guys are better recruiters than tacticians and vice versa. But uh, given his personality style, I don't see why Cecil uh, couldn't deliver in that regard. Um, I will uh, definitely um, point out that my observation about DeMarco Murray would relate to a, a current Wildcat. Look at someone like um, Tilford. Here's a guy who was a four-star. He was going to look like he was going to join Gabe's uh, infamous list of four-star busts at uh, Arizona. <laughs> and uh, DeMarco Murray comes in, and he's really evolved. And, um, you know, when you look at physical talent in this game against Stanford, and, and let's not kid ourselves, even though they were uh, on, a, on to a bunch of backups and true freshmen – 
on their offensive lines. These are a lot of elite level uh, recruits for Stanford out there. And, and there was less guys on Arizona's team that looked like they didn't belong on the same field as those guys as I've seen in a long time. And certainly one of those guys was Tilford, um, you know, his physical makeup and his running style, uh, you know, his burst of the, to the, um, to the hole, his his footwork, um, switching the ball when he went through the hole as he was going to the sideline, um, reading and giving his line some time. I think he's really advanced from a guy who we weren't even sure could pick up the blocking scheme, and I, I, I'm glad that he's getting more and more minutes. I think he deserves it, and, and all due respect to, to J.J., who's absolutely a, an animal, uh, Tilford looks apart and it's nice to have a running back that that looks apart in the program that's excelling so i would point that out specifically in demarco murray's uh, success in the program yeah i tend to agree with you um tilford looks a lot different um and it's just a little nuanced stuff right like you were mentioning like switching the switching the ball in his hand when he goes through the hole uh pass blocking has gotten a, a, a better right which was one of the major things keeping him out of the you know off the field um and just just the little nuanced things that make a, an effective running back he, you can see that he's starting to to do and yeah i i, I agree with you i i 100 credit that all to uh demarco murray not only his um his experience but his ability to teach you know that says a lot about his ability to teach and look at the thing about this think about jj taylor right uh, he, what the past two years when he's been a full-time starter, has had problems fumbling the ball. Haven't seen that this year. No, that's an excellent point. Yeah. In fact, I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm like, oh, I hope, I hope we're not <clears throat> overdue. And then he had that, that one that fortunately he was down in the uh, Stanford game, but it was a little bit of a flashback moment for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Especially with them returning it for a touchdown. Um, let's get into the details of the uh, press conference. Uh, Michael Lev uh, tweeted out his article on it and some some bullet points. Um, specifically, uh, someone stated that the DC change was about giving the team the best chance to win. Now, what do you make of that comment? I think it's kind of a. I think it it's a accurate comment. I mean. Look at look at how the defense came out against Stanford. I mean, it's it was flat. It was like Hawaii flat, or yeah, actually it was Hawaii flat, if not worse. Um, you know, Stanford's not a, an offensive juggernaut, even when KJ Costello was healthy. So um, they go and score thirty-one points in the first half. That's incredibly bad and, and unacceptable. Um, I believe that if the you know, defensive and, you know, ready and prepared and um, you're willing to play hard. I think that that Arizona could have easily won the game, but excuse me. I, you know, I kind of put that onus on, on, uh, on Yates as well to not, you know, you didn't even have your, your, your uh, defense ready to play coming out the gate. And, you know, it's not the first time that this has happened since he's been defensive coordinator. So, um, it happened a lot last year too, so it's just a, a trend that you know you you can't win with, and someone you know recognized that and realized that, and I think he's just you know had enough and just decided to pull the trigger. Do you think that that is emblematic of? Uh, someone having Yates already in position in Arizona when he came in and, and retaining him as opposed to bringing in his whole new staff because uh, someone in Yates history is pretty well established and goes back quite a ways. I, I wouldn't say so. Um, this, this kind of, this kind of problem actually 
happened even when when Rich Rod was was you know coach. I remember seeing the defense flat multiple multiple times. There are times that it was flat the whole game, you know, much less starting off flat or ending flat. So um, I don't I don't it just it it was, it was really odd to see. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen, um, or it's been a while since I've seen a defense just like not have that that oomph, you know, all the time. Like as a, as a defender, you're you know. People love playing defense because they can go smack somebody, right? It just didn't seem like there was, you know, all that intensity or aggressiveness with Yates at the helm. So if if someone's interested in giving his team the best chance to win now, how come Springer's still running the special teams? I can't. I have no clue. <laughs> I, you know, I. It was it was really weird because even last year, you know, special teams took a step up from what it was under Rich Rod. In this year, it's just it's just regressed. I mean, there have been times like kind of kind of like kind of like the defense, right? There have been times that it's been pretty good, and then Washington game hits, and all of a sudden it just it went downhill in a in quick, fast, and in a hurry. And Stanford, you know, the, the special teams were were better than they were against Washington and USC, but there's still like the the kickoff coverage was was the issue mostly in that game. Yeah, lots of turnovers, lots of bad field position. So <clears throat> let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. Speaking of things that aren't working, um, someone says that the, the quarterback platoon is likely to continue. Uh, what do you make of that? I think it's the right move right now. Um, after you know the previous two games before Stanford, it was very, very clear that something needed to happen. Um you know, you know, when, when Tate was in, I don't know what it was, but he just was not not performing. Yeah, he was dressed. He was flat. He was flat like the defense, um, against, you know, like the defense was against Stanford. It's making mistakes here and there and, you know, bailing out of clean pockets. Like, I understand that the that the offensive line wasn't perfect. Like, honestly, was not perfect in any way, shape or form against Washington and USC and definitely allowed uh, you know, defenders into the backfield to either, you know, hit Tate sack and whatever. But there were times that he bailed out of the pocket that when, when he actually had a pocket and a clean pocket and the offensive line was doing its job, he would just bail out um, or just still doing that infuriating thing where he runs out of bounds without throwing the ball and, to, and taking like a six yard quote sack, um, you know, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then in those games, you know, Grant Gannell comes in and does a pretty decent job and moves the ball and gets that spark going for the for the offense. And to be honest with you, during the Stanford game, that was the best I've seen the offense, you know, in the last three weeks. You know, the offense looked great. Like, Kill Tate was on fire against Colorado. I don't know what it is against, against the Buffaloes, but he loves to tear them apart. Um, you know, and then, like I said, the offense was garbage the next two weeks. And then against Stanford, that two quarterback system, you saw Khalil actually played really well uh, until the fourth quarter where he made those mistakes. And Grant played really, really well when he was in. And yes, he had that was a twenty-four yard fumble yeah. sack, but he's a freshman; it's going to happen. Whereas Tate's a senior, and he makes you know still makes those mistakes. But you know, I digress from that. But I think that that platoon of quarterbacks is is a good thing right now. Um, it definitely gives Arizona uh, like a little edge offensively against against um, uh, defenses, and it definitely keeps defenses on their toes. Because let's be honest, Khalil is 
a dynamic playmaker when he's on when he's when he's on and and Grant is really quick, accurate, uh, you know, big, you know, all-seeing quarterback, and he makes really good decisions with the ball. So, um, yeah, I think that 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 I, I agree with someone. I think it's a good move right now. What's your thoughts on the if you have two quarterbacks, you have none take? Well, that depends, right? It depends on how the quarterbacks are person, you know, personality-wise and how the quarterbacks perform. Um, in my opinion, I think that Grant and, and Khalil are – I mean, you saw it during the, the Stanford game. They were just fine. I mean, Grant, they've made mistakes, but, I mean, no one's perfect. Um, but neither of them seem to mind it. Um, they, they understand their roles in the game. And quite honestly, I think they both understand that they complement each other very well. So I think it all depends on the quarterbacks you have. Um, you know, if you have one quarterback who – is you know arrogant big head and doesn't want to share time then that's when you get that problem right um but if both quarterbacks are cool with it and it actually works um i don't foresee that there's that much of an issue as it relates to that platoon in the stanford game do you think that tate should have been the guy for the last few drives uh, trying to make the comeback i mean it's kind of hard to tell right um just because of how the the, the game ended um i think that uh, there was nothing wrong with um, there was honestly nothing wrong with uh, Kevin Sullen and Noel Zoni going with Tate at the end because he was he was playing borderline lights out. He was playing really well. Um, you know that that one twenty something yard run that got called back due to a hold. Um, I think that might have messed with Tate a little bit, and then you know he stumbled and forced a throw um, instead of either like a toss out of bounds or even an attempted run at his part, especially since his first and three would have been a much better idea. Shoot. I rewatched the game. And if I remember correctly, I think Cedric Peterson was like down the middle of the field, wide open, right? If he stood, he would have just turned and looked, he would have nailed him. Um, yeah. On that crossing route. Yeah. Crossing route across the middle of the field. So, you know, just stuff like, and then once that happened, I think that got into the minds, you know, into Tate's mind and he tried forcing stuff at that point. But, um, yeah, at the, at the time, you know, there's nothing wrong with it because Khalil was playing rather well and actually well enough to win. So let's, uh, end on some positive notes. Um, Someone went out of his way to point out that guys like Jalen Johnson and Booby Curry and Jamari Joyner uh, were really starting to come together. Uh, both Jalen Johnson and Booby Curry had some early season inju- injuries that slowed them coming out of uh, camp. Uh, you want to comment on uh, where you think these guys are now and, and where they're coming from, your time studying them? Sure. First off, I'm going to start off with Jamari Joyner. I love me some Jamari Joyner at wide receiver. I think that was a fantastic move on his part to go. That catch uh, that he had one-handed was some nasty biz in a good way. Like He's going to be really, really good uh, by the time he, his career is done at Arizona. Um, with Jalen Johnson, I've been preaching this kid since I saw him, um, and he committed, and I've been excited for him, or to see him, rather, since he committed. And uh, he hasn't disappointed um, that catch by, you know, by him and in the back of the end zone from Grinnell when he threaded that needle was was perfect. It was a, it was a perfect catch, perfect pass. Um, and it really showcased um, the hands that Johnson has. 
And then uh, uh, Booby Curry is coming up there. He made a, a, a pretty pretty solid grab, um, you know, 11-yard grab against Stanford. And, uh, yeah, I think that Johnson, Joyner, and, and, and Curry are all the future of um, – of the wide receiver core kind of think back to like that point Dexter Shun Brown and Tony Ellison that the, the cats had last year. Um, I can foresee these three being that same type of trio um, in the very near future as, as early as next year, to be honest with you. So uh, one thing we didn't really cover on the uh, defensive transition from uh, Yates to uh, Chuck Cecil was the fact that there's going to be a new linebackers coach. Uh, Hobson's going to be taking over. Do you want to comment on, any on him taking over at linebackers? Yeah, if I uh, like, if I remember correctly, uh, I know you and I were talking about a little before um, before recording was that he was a linebacker at uh, at Arizona. I think uh, it was early mid two thousand you know two thousand tens or teens. Didn't he have a concussion um, and have to retire or something like that? I think so. I'm, I remember his career ending earlier than it should have. Um, and, you know, he came on after after his football playing career. He came on as a grad assistant at um, you know at Arizona under Rich Rod, and you know Kevin Sumlin came on and he was gone for you know he was off the staff for like a year or so, and came back on this year as an as a defensive analyst and. Um, from everything I've heard that the, the players love him. Um, you know, I've seen quite a few player, uh, former players too on, on Twitter, you know, saying that Hank is going to take over for the linebackers like Marquise flowers and Jeff Fisher and a couple of those other guys, um, seem to be very, very excited for, for the guy. And, you know, I've, I've never heard anything negative about him, even as a player. So, um, I think that this is a really, really smart move by by um, by someone um, getting someone that knows the position that's played, you know, played football for uh, Arizona and in the past and, you know, played linebacker as well. So it's a really, really solid uh, choice, in my opinion, for someone. Nice. Uh, well, since we haven't had the opportunity to have you around to uh, talk about all the games uh, through the season, why don't we go through a sort of mini State of the Union and, and take it by uh, game by game and get your uh, thoughts and observations as the season's progressed. And let's start with Hawaii. Oof, bad game, bad game, bad, bad defense. <laughs> and it was kind of a heartbreaking loss at that uh, and a really gutsy run by Khalil at the end. Yeah, did you think he was going to make it when he took off? I I actually did. Uh, and then he made the wrong cut and you know cut inside and stepped back out and uh, ended up you know ended up what like six inches short or something like that. It's just like, heartbreaking. And how about those two Hawaii defensive linemen chasing him all the way down the field? I don't yes. know if he'd have gotten past the defensive backs coming his way, but those guys coming from behind were definitely the ones that got the tackle. So. Yeah, absolutely. Not seeing those guys like sprint like seventy yards back down the field. Yeah, that was impressive. So uh, then on to NAU and uh, a big uh, offensive outburst. But there's the big defensive uh, productivity uh, from NAU, and the concerns start at that point uh, after the Hawaii game. Um, any significant thoughts about Northern Arizona? Yeah, offense looked great. I love seeing the offense click like it did. Uh, defense, obviously, first half looked phenomenal. Um, and then I think it – in my opinion, it wasn't the players that were in um, because I've seen Arizona do this before where they put younger players in. In my opinion, it was how Yates decided to call the game 
um, at the end is what caused any of you to make that, you know, quote surge near the end. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that was good play calling on his part. And they were rotating in, um, depth players as early as the second quarter. I forget exactly when Gannell got his first snap, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, the, the third stringers or second stringers all came into the third and then subsequently the fourth, um, they were rotating, guys at depth positions uh on the defense you know pretty much after the first quarter so it was a little bit of a hodgepodge of personnel too and i think that impacts um how it plays out and i thought overall the team looked very um stout against northern arizona despite giving up the 41 uh points uh texas Tech comes to town the defense is geared up they talk a big game and then they deliver in a 28 14 win what'd you think of that game i love that game that was a uh a gritty win. It was an, an overall team win too. Um, yeah, that was, that was to me, that's where I thought that everything had turned a corner, especially defensively. I thought that everything had turned a corner for the positive, um, you know, like that they, that they took that, uh, second half against NAU pretty personally. And, and Yates learned from his mistakes and, uh, went forward and I was really excited to see Pandy and Fields and Schooler on the field um, on the field all at the same time because those three are fantastic linebackers all three of them so uh UCLA rolls into town uh Chip Kelly had um had had some well-documented um difficulties out of the gate um and they come rolling in here and that was right after the washington state game so i thought uh uh-oh uh ucla's really found its stride we're probably in trouble and um despite the fact that arizona starts its backup quarterback in in ganell um they pull out the 20 to 17 win with uh, the molson ice uh routine from someone at the end of the game what'd you think of that one (laughs) another Really good game, in my opinion. Well coached, well played. Um, defense was gritty, you know, smash mouth, uh, really, really great. And I absolutely love seeing Gannell um, get his first start and actually performing really well for, you know, a true freshman out on the road. No, sorry. No, that was at home. Never yeah, mind. that was at home. Uh, yeah, but uh, still, really good performance. Um, first start against a conference opponent. Um, you never know how that's going to go, right? But he did. He did admirable, and um, defense did fantastic. And I think I still think that 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 uh, that timeout by someone was 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 perfect uh, because I don't care what anyone says; those timeouts do mess with a kicker, especially when they're already in the motion to kick the field goal, and the timeout happens. So I think that was just a well timed um, decision by by uh, someone. Yeah, he made the he made the first one and missed the second one. I mean, yeah. how long has it been since Arizona has been on the winning side of a missed field goal like that? It's, we've certainly been on the other side a lot. Yeah, it's been. It's, I can't remember the last time to be honest with you. Yeah, me neither. Uh, then we travel up to Colorado, uh, back and forth offensive battle. Tate really uh, just explodes uh, throwing the ball, but Colorado's had a pretty uh, porous uh, pass defense. And maybe it was a little bit of a barrage uh, taking care of business there. What would you think? Um, I thought even – so here's the thing. So even though Colorado – Colorado's defense isn't that great, they always play Arizona tough. It it always happens, right? Um, No matter what the status of of the other team is. So 
uh, I came in a little nervous on the road, Colorado's homecoming, um, and um, it was a family day. Regardless, one of one of those, but it was family you know, day. It was family. Okay, so yeah, in a sold out crowd, right? Oh, it was so, packed. Yeah, it was it was nuts. So I was like, okay, this this ought to be interesting, and uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Khalil went off. Um, the defense, um, you know, I kind of expected the, I kind of expected the off, you know, like the defensive performance, you know, played hard, played, played fast, smash mouth, but Colorado's going to score the points because that's just how the Buffaloes, you know, play the Wildcats. So I kind of expected that, but, uh, the defense made just enough plays to, um, to win. So, um, pretty, pretty happy. I wasn't worried about the defense at all at that point. Um, and yeah, I thought that was a, another really good win for, for Arizona. So UW gets stomped by Stanford the week before they come into Arizona. And despite the historic desert dog uh, approach where Washington's only beaten Arizona in the state of Arizona, uh, the year that we had that three win team and they had to go to overtime to do it. They absolutely come in and annihilate the Wildcats uh, 51 to 27. Yeah, so I had to play this one pretty close to the the chest because my wife's a UW fan, so couldn't couldn't talk too much trash. But anyway, um, so um, kind of a roller coaster first half. Of I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna lie. It was oh god, here we go. You know, special teams. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another. You know, um, there was that. you know, was it Thomas Reed running into uh, uh, Stanley Berryhill and the ball bouncing off him? There was uh, there was a fumble, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I think it was Joiner who fumbled on that on that ball. That's right. Yep, Joiner. Um, we're not even going to talk about that. I'll mention it, but we're not going to talk about that ghost pass that Tate did. I don't really know what that was. Um, and yeah, that all had the backwards left-handed sideways shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that we call was. that the tater. <laughs> so, and then, and then for all that, all that crap, right. We're still and, winning at halftime. Yeah. 17, 13. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this actually might happen. And then UW's first possession. I was like, Oh, defense doesn't look good. And then they just, you know, they made a couple stops in, in the third quarter Okay, maybe you know, kind of a false alarm. Man, we're still, we're still, you know, Arizona's still sitting pretty good. And then the fourth quarter happens, and then that's when he actually, that's when it hit me. And then, okay, maybe the defense got screwed the whole game. So, um, very, very disappointed in the offense and the special teams in that game. Um, was not disappointed in the defense because they did everything that they could. Um, so, still not that concerned about the defense at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I would point out that um, that game was, in my mind, the epitome of the defense you'd you'd make for Yates' performance. Um, they they battled, they kept him in the game, they played a good first half, and ultimately they wore down in the fourth quarter against a a superior, talented Washington team. And you know, let's face it, Eason <clears throat> hadn't really been. You know, hitting on all the uh, preseason uh, prognostications of his uh, 
talent, um, especially with Washington's uh, red zone efficiency woes. And all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, he looks like uh, the next coming of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You could certainly put some of that on Arizona's defense, but I honestly think they just wore out and he played a great game. Um, and it's not surprising that, you know, as soon as Stanford beat Washington, I, I just I, I tweeted out. Uh, man, here it comes. They're going to destroy us uh, when they come to town. And, and so well, the one thing that does set up kind of funny for Arizona, and certainly this last three-game skid, because prior to losing at Stanford, and we'll get to that, I hadn't lost much faith in our bowl chances and, and decent season uh, outlook because I, I really was confident we would beat Stanford. Um, but, of course, uh, I, I just to foreshadow not to steal your thunder here but i turn on the stanford game on the pac-12 networks and they're doing that story on that kid who survived brain cancer and he's giving the team the pregame speech and and then kj uh is back for the the cardinal and i just thought up oh, what arizona's gonna lose the the cancer kid's giving the pregame speech so we're doomed but i do want to call my shot before we go too far um arizona hasn't had its uh game that they shouldn't win um where they just reach up and outplay an opponent and that that always happens at home or almost always happens at home with the exception of maybe oregon that one year uh, up at oregon with um with um scooby and and uh, mariota but uh, that does set up very interesting for uh, Utah on November 23rd. And I know they're a juggernaut, but um, Arizona tends to overperform against the team at home every year. And that certainly would be a, a good time for that to happen. Uh, but let's uh, get back on track and uh, and get uh, to the SC game. Uh, Arizona travels to SC. SC uh, had just uh, – Lost a squeaker to Notre Dame, sort of the uh, moral victory uh, type situation, but they absolutely uh, come in and shellac Arizona. Again, started off by a special teams fumble, uh, giving SC some good field, field position after a couple back and forth, and, and Tate just looking real uh, jittery in L.A. Yeah, I... Uh... I kind of thought that Arizona was going to be in the game because, you know, defense was playing fine. And then after that first special teams fumble, I knew it was going to be, it was going to, it was done. Um, just for the simple fact that I'm like, okay, so here, how this usually goes is if Arizona creates one mistake like that, it's going to happen again later in the game. And it, and it did. So, um, plus Tate just looking yeah, just awful. Right. So, um, that that was something I did not expect. I actually had a good feeling at the beginning of the game because I'm like, it's Tate's last year. He's playing back in L.A. He should be, you know, good to go. Nope, he was not. So, um, yeah. Once 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 us, you know, the more I watched and saw how Tate was playing, and then after that fumble, um, it was just kind of like, well, that's how this is going to go. So. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm not the only one ascribing to that theory. I feel like there's a lot of L.A. kids who, who are at Arizona who didn't get offered at SC, and, I, and I, I feel like they tend to play better at SC because they're in front of family and friends, and they really want to show – and guys they went to, to school with, and, and they want to show, hey, you know, you passed up on my talent. So um, I was expecting more there too, and, and that game was just absolutely brutal. I mean, Ganell comes in and then immediately gets the weak side – cornerback blitz and and throws that that floater to the linebacker and yeah and you know after that he, they got it together him and telford uh, made a couple successful drives just to make it modestly res- 
respectable, but it was brutal. And then uh, I know you wanted to get a little more in the weeds since it's the most recent game at Stanford. Um, Cats come out. They they ultimately succumbed to uh, Stanford, uh, 41-31. Uh, you took a little time breaking down that one interception to Adebo, who subsequently got another one from Tate. Uh, this game uh, started out with um, – KJ Costello coming back and the offense just looking very potent. Uh, give me some of your thoughts on, on the Stanford game. So I thought that, um, I thought that, well, I honestly thought that Arizona was going to win that game coming in. I'm not even, not even going to lie. Uh, even with KJ Costello, I'm like, meh, it's still not a power, uh, offensive powerhouse though. I will admit, I was like, Oh, KJ. So Castell is coming back right as he's playing as they're playing Arizona. Well, that's typical because let's be honest. That usually is. Um, that's just the luck of what happens with, with, with Arizona. So, um, but, uh, you know, solid first drive. Um, I thought the play calling overall was great. Um, you know, it, it did result in points, which is good because Arizona doesn't score many first quarter points uh, this season. Um, I didn't necessarily like the last play call, the last play, which was that run from from JJ. Um, not because JJ can't do it. I just I just thought it was a little little conservative. Third, third and seven, yeah, yeah, and, on the you Stanford know, my, nine. That was yep. classic Mazzoni right there. I mean, you knew you were going to get a, a Mazzoni. You're all going to run on third and long up the middle and. <laughs> I mean, when it works, it's, you know, it's awesome, but it doesn't usually work. At the same time, I can kind of see why he did it because JJ was very successful that drive. So it's, it's weird, right? Um, I just thought it was a little too conservative, Um, but, you know, came away with points. So I was, you know, pretty, pretty happy with that. Stanford goes and scores on their first drive. I'm like, all right, not, not too bad. Just still first quarter. And then Grant comes in and, just marches down the field and throws a, a beautiful pass that, you know, I mentioned to Jalen Johnson. I'm like, oh, okay, we're in business. And then the first thing happened, mistake happened in my opinion. And that's, um, that was the uh, kickoff coverage after that, you know, after Arizona took that 10 to seven lead, it just was awful. It was horrible. You, you cannot snag the momentum like that and then immediately give it back on a kickoff. That's, that's not how that, that's not how football works. You got to, you know, kick it out of bounds. If no, don't kick it out of bounds rather, uh, kick it, get a touchback, <laughs> get a touchback. Um, like, like Lucas Haversick usually gets right. You know, kick that sucker so far. It goes into the, you know, well, he kicks through field the goal goals. Ball. Yeah, exactly. He kicks field goals from the, the opposing 35 yard line. So I, I was really shocked that he didn't do that. Um, yeah, it just uh, starts them off, you know, starts them off out of the gate. So it's uh, St. Brown for 10 yards, uh, uh, Fajoko for 39 yards, and, and he really had a great game. I mean, yeah, that did. kid had uh, two touchdown catches, I think. Three receptions, 97 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, so, yeah. And I don't know what his season stats are. I mean, I certainly could look them up, but I mean, I, I don't, he doesn't. I don't know. He, I was like, who the hell's this kid? And why is he going ape shit on Arizona? So I wasn't too happy about that. I don't know. Has he been having a killer season for Stanford? Not that I'm, no one on offense has been having a killer yeah, season say, on Stanford. Yeah. If, uh, if St. Brown isn't having it or Parkinson isn't having it, I was just like, where did this kid come from? So, um, you know, we should spend a second on there is Whitaker moving to uh, safety. Uh, 
came out of the gate really strong. I mean, like the Hawaii game, he really tried to hold the team together. I thought he was our best player on the field. And then he subsequently uh, led the rally when uh, they stood up against Texas Tech. And then he just starts having problems. And then they moved him to, to safety, and he was still doing a lot of slot coverage. And then, man, the post routes for him have just been absolutely brutal last four or five games. What do you make of that? I, I wonder if he isn't battling an injury. It's very possible he is. It's very possible he knew that Yates is done. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of strange because that's not Whitaker, right? That's not how. That's not Jace that that everyone um, knows and, and loves. To be honest with you, honestly, it could have been he just been, could be having a slump. That that's also possible. But um, you know, um, I'm interested to see how he bounces back uh, this this weekend against Oregon State. Like if he plays angry, uh, you know, goes back to like what what we're all used to seeing. Um, but I, I still think that he is probably he, no, he's not probably he is still Arizona's best um, defensive back, regardless of this like slump that he's going through. So um, I don't put too much weight into it. A little surprising, little weird to see, but. Um, I still think that he'll bounce back, no problem. Yeah, he was responsible for uh, the thirty-nine year, thirty-nine yarder to Fahoko uh, and mm-hmm. the twelve yarder to Parkinson. Uh, they get down there. Scarlett runs it in for two yards uh, or one yard, and gets a touchdown. Uh, Arizona gets the ball. They punt. Um, JJ has a nice eleven yard run. Uh, gets another run, and then they have two passes that are incomplete and have to punt the ball. Uh, Stanford gets it back, and uh, they're able to hold there. Uh, Arizona gets the ball and drives down with Grant Gannell coming in, which, you know, Tate had only really had two series, and here comes Gannell. And so I'm interested in your take on this. When Gannell came in at the end of Washington, everyone's like, why are you bringing out this guy and wasting his red shirt? Uh, in mop-up time. And I thought, well, listen, Washington's called off the dogs, uh, pun intended. And here's a great chance for Gannell to get some experience with some some elite-level athletes. Like, you know, Washington's at, at the top of the food chain. And so here's his chance to play against, you know, good speed and good talent and, and get a feel for that. And then subsequently he comes out in the SC game. And it was a little bit earlier, but you thought, okay, but he's still got one more game before it's it's gone. And I figured at this point, you know, they're – they're going to call the ball, so to speak. And then he comes out in this game. Now his red shirt's completely burned, and it's only two drives in. And, and I thought, you know, ultimately the end had been spelled for um, Tate with this drive. I mean, he takes him right down the field. They take the lead back 10-7, and that pass to Jalen Johnson was sick. Yeah, it was, it was just wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. But I, I know one thing. Um, I never really had a problem with – how Arizona used Gannell, in my opinion, it's actually pretty smart because like you're saying, you know, you're getting, you're getting pretty good, not even pretty good. You're getting solid reps against uh, Washington who has really good athletes and even USC who is deep with really good athletes as well. Um, that's invaluable, right? And if you're playing for the future and if you're trying to step your quarterback in the future uh, with that experience, like this is just going to make Gunnell that much better next year, in my opinion. Like he's pretty, pretty darn good right now. Am I for a true freshman, right? Um, is that worth a year? I do. I think it is um, because um, I, I don't want to say it's low threat because it's really not because you're still 
putting them out there, especially, uh, you know, against Stanford and stuff like that. You're putting them out there um, to gain that kind of experience. Um, and then, excuse me, um, you know, you're basically setting them up for the future even more. So, like, think about this. If you if you have, if you have your quarterback in the future, right, um, and he only played, like, two games his freshman year, in uh, quote garbage time or at the the time at the end of the game, um, do you really think that he's going to be that much better come next year, or do you think that how you know how many reps he's getting now, um, seeing the def- defenses that he has seen and played against, and seeing the the athletes that he has, is that going to make him more effective next year? In my opinion, it's it's how they're using him now is going to make him way more effective next year because he's going to be prepared for what gets thrown at him. So not to backtrack on you, and I know you've kind of talked about how you like the two quarterback system, but why not just put Gunnell in and let him get all the reps? Because let's look at look at Khalil Tate during Colorado. Look at Khalil Tate for most of the Stanford game. It's it's hard, right? It's I I totally understand that argument. Why not just put him in and, and get him all the reps and get him you know even more prepared for next year. Um, but there, there's just times that Tate does things that just, that this is no stab at Gannell because they're just different that Gannell can't do. Like Tate taking off for an 84-yard touchdown run and just blowing through defenders like they're not even there. Um, or that that crazy was a 57-yard touchdown that was pretty wild. It looked like he was – it literally looked like he was doing a warm-up jog down the field and he still outran everyone. Um to get into the you know, against Stanford and that kind of thing. And some of the passes that the, that Tate makes are just jaw dropping, right? Like that pass that Jamari Joyner was, was wonderful. It was, it was perfect. Um, and that was and, a heck of a catch too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he does things like, like that, that you just go like, you, you just can't bench. I, in my opinion, you can't just bench that. So I think that that Sullen and Mazzoni have sat down with their quarterbacks and figured out a happy medium. I'm like, okay, guys, so we're going to do this platoon thing, you know. Um, and so far, it seems like the the Tate and Gunnell have both accepted it. And like, cool, we're good with that. Let's just do it. If it gives the team a chance to win it, it, it seems that way, you know. Or you know, then let's do it. So it's that's just the kind of feel I get and what I've seen uh, because I think that if if Tate would honestly minded or even Gunnell minded they wouldn't have played as well as they did against Stanford. So uh, getting back, uh, Arizona comes up uh, uh, 10-7. Stanford gets the ball back, and, and it's uh, it, it's more of the same. Uh, Jones, 11-yard pass. Parkinson, a 19-yard pass. Weddington, a 5-yard pass. And uh, that's the end of the first quarter. Uh, they roll into the second quarter. Uh Tremaine, 14 yards, and they score a touchdown. So they pull back up 14-10. Gunnell comes out, doesn't uh, have quite the efficiency. He gets a first down with a a pass to Booby, and uh, and then they rush with uh, Gary for one yard. Uh, Gunnell gets sacked, and then he misses Cunningham or hits Cunningham for only five on third and 16, so they punt. Uh, Stanford gets the ball back, and uh, Scarlett takes off for a 12-yard rush. Um, there's a, a rush for two yards. Weddington gets an eight-yard pass, um, and then Scarlett rips off that 22-yard uh, run, and then um, it's just a matter of time. Uh, 
before he gets another 19 yards uh, to get down to the eight and then another eight yards to get the touchdown. And Scarlett absolutely chewing us up. This is a guy who's kind of been a ghost uh, as Stanford's number two um, two years ago. And then um, last year is the number one and this year is the number one. I, I just haven't been too impressed with him, but he sure uh, stuck it to Arizona on that drive and they pull up 21-10. Um, this is emblematic of the difficulties on defense. And at this point, I was thinking this is a bad game to have a letdown. Um, subsequently, Arizona gets the ball. J.J. Taylor does that great 18-yard run. He's looking really fired up. Um, and then, like you said, Khalil Tate takes off and runs down the field. Again, it had been just two series, and I don't know if it was predetermined two for Tate, two for Gunnell, uh, but I thought it was interesting because neither of them had you know a, a second series that was all that damning, um, but both get an alternating chance, and like you said, it, it just looks like Tate's jogging down the field. And I thought... When Gunnell threw the, the touchdown pass to Johnson, I thought, well, that's the end of Tate. And then when Tate did this run, I thought, well, that's the end of Gunnell. And I was wrong on both of those. So uh, it was definitely an interesting rotation. Um, so now it's 17-21. We're in the middle of the second quarter. Arizona struggled, I thought, kind of like the Hawaii game. There's like driving on that, that drive where Tate threw that interception. I thought, oh, we're back in this game. Things are going to stabilize. You know, we look pretty good. And then, uh, and then Stanford gets the ball and they drive right down the field with that, um, that big, uh, pass from Costello to Fajoko uh, on the touchdown and, and they're back up 28, 17. What'd you think at this point? I knew it was going to be kind of a rough, <laughs> rough defensively. And it was going to have to be one of those games that the offense had to outscore. It was going to be, you know, shootout, right? Um, and let's be honest, the offense actually responded quite well and tied the game. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I, the, the moment I realized that this was going to be very, or that it felt similar to the Hawaii game was when um, I think it had, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was um, uh, Stanford's second touchdown, which made it 14 to 10. I'm like, okay, the defense looks like crap. You know, it was flat. That's when you saw that it was flat and you know whatnot. I, I thought the first touchdown drive, like, eh, whatever. It's just the first, you know, first drive of the game for Stanford defense to pro, you know step it up, blah blah blah. And it just never happened, right? It didn't really happen until the end of the the um, the uh, first half when they they held uh, Stanford's that field goal. Um, and yeah. then they, they played pretty, pretty well. I'm not going to lie. They played pretty well in the second half, but by that point it was way too little too late. Yeah. They only yielded um, 10 points in the second half and, and something like, like 150 yards, yards, maybe something in the whole second half. Yeah. 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 So that's solid. Yeah. I just felt like I didn't feel like the defense played as bad as Stanford just looked like completely together again you know i know that there's a lot of uh, i always get i feel like i'm defending yates i really don't have strong feelings whether he's gone or not to be perfectly frank um but i just feel like you know this was more about stanford doing what stanford does um as opposed to arizona failing but um yeah it is what it is Uh, so to your point you know um you know the um the cats get the ball back and um, drive down the field. Tate Tate's quarterback again for a second consecutive uh, series, and he's just nailing everybody with the passes. Uh, you know, he hits JJ Taylor for twelve for seven. Um, he hits JJ again for another seven. Um, 
JJ for 18 and then Jamari on that one handed catch. Uh, and so it's 24, 28 again, we're not that far behind. Uh, but right before the end of the half, I thought this was really the dagger in the heart of the wildcats. Um, there's only a minute 41 and they just drive right down the field and, and, uh, kick that field goal. And, and knowing that they were going to get the ball again in the third, I, I don't know. I just felt like this was a real critical swing in the game. Um, any thoughts on that final drive by um, Stanford in the first half? Um, yeah, I thought that's – I was like, okay, cool. So the defense actually got some momentum. And let's be honest, that was a win, right? They held Stanford to, to three points when – The first time the whole game. Well, they put yeah. it once before that. Yeah, but like the, the like pretty much Stanford's been having their way with the defense, and you're like, holy cow! Okay, so something good happened, um, and it, it to me that's when I thought that the game was like it's still reachable, right? Like most times, or there there are times when when Arizona goes, you know, you know, is down at half, and you're like, oh, this is going to be good, blah blah. But I didn't necessarily have that feeling. Uh, this time around, I I honestly didn't have that feeling until take through that first interception. I'm like, here we go, you know. So, um, I thought that was a, a good stand. That is, um, you know, Pandy was it? Yeah, that was the one Pandy made like a crazy. He just came flying into the backfield, and uh, was that that one or was that later in the game? Man, I cannot remember. Was that the end of the first half when Pandy came flying in, uh, hit Scarlet, Scarlet uh, tossed it back to Costello, and then Whitaker and Wilborn uh, smashed Costello? Nah, because that one ended on a couple incomplete passes by um, Costello. That's what it was. So that one, the one I'm talking about, was later in the game. Yeah. So, but still, um, just shows like for whatever reason, like Arizona gets down to like you know their defense gets down to the goal line, and something clicks and they just start becoming more and more tough so um it was good to see that i thought that actually that kind of stand probably rejuvenated the team and it did it definitely rejuvenated the defense uh going into the second half in my opinion well to your point they immediately came out and stopped uh stanford on the next drive and they had to punt it to arizona and then arizona goes down the field and um they uh get a field goal to knot it up at 31 um so Stanford gets the ball and immediately drives down and scores. Um, again, Costello, uh, you know, is just picking them apart. Parkinson for 13 yards. Um, Pete for nine yards. Weddington for nine yards. Fajoko for 14 yards. And it's just right down the field, uh, marching down there, and they pull that touchdown lead. Uh, now, this is coming up on um, – you know, on the point where things start to get squirrely, but I mean, we're still in this game and it's been a back and forth. And maybe at this point you're thinking last team with the ball wins, uh, Arizona comes out and, and just has an abysmal three play drive, Mm -hmm. um, and then has to punt the ball back. Uh, Stanford doesn't do much better. And you're like, well, maybe this is kind of flip flopping as we, as we go along. And, um, and Arizona gets the ball back and, after a couple of unsuccessful drives by Tate, here comes Gannell, and they start to drive, and that takes us into the fourth quarter. So they're, they're moving down the field, 
and they're in position um, at the Stanford 21, and we just have that absolutely brutal 14-yard uh, backwards fumble uh, by Gunnell, and that pushes us all the way back to the Stanford 46. Not even a chance for a field goal at this point, uh, down by a touchdown. Um, you spoke of this specifically, you know, freshman quarterback and have freshman quarterback moments. I, I think a, a lot of times we would be pretty critical of Tate, especially for something like this. Honestly, given, you know, Gunnell's, you know, relative uh, newness to the position, I wasn't that critical of him. But I, I do feel like that's maybe a, a good uh, rebut for the people who feel like Tate should continue to have opportunities in the offense. Uh, did you want to comment any further on that sort of dynamic or anything else about that situation? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so I find it also hard to uh, be critical of Gunnell in, in that instance, um, because let's really be honest here. That was his first real mistake of the season. You can't call that interception against USC an actual mistake of his because he had dudes right in his chest when he threw the ball, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, you could probably say that that is what cost him to throw the ball is that um, USC defender hitting him and it floated up and, you know, intercepted. So you can't really pin that one on him. But this one, uh, you can say, is his first real mistake. And I, and what he's played in six, five, six, five games. Yeah, five, five games now because his redshirt just got burned. Yep. And to only have one mistake like that for a true freshman, it's not bad. Um, you know, and he he's been pre- he's he hasn't done really anything else to warrant any kind of criticisms, right? Um, Whereas Tate does this kind of thing all the time. He does mistakes. That, oh, he's a senior quarterback now. And he's a senior quarterback. The thing that I think the thing that infuriates the most, uh, infuriates me the most that he does is run out of bounds without throwing the ball. That is number one. Number two is the intercept, the forced interceptions that you know he is forcing. Um, and I will say he did a great job of not running out of bounds, throwing the foot, you know, throwing the football away. But I guess that the two interceptions he threw were forced interceptions, and that so it wasn't. It was kind of like, ah, God, you know. So it's I, I just can't have as much leniency on Tate just because he's a senior quarterback. He's been there. He's done this. This should be out of his system. But it's not right. It's still happening his senior year, and let's be honest, it's cost Arizona drives. It's cost Arizona possibly games. Uh, well, it cost Arizona Stanford game in my opinion, but uh, it's definitely cost Arizona momentum offensively and, and rhythm offensively. Um, so that yeah, that kind of thing. It it just you know it's it's hard for me to overlook. Yeah. So Grant Canal, true freshman, uh, 64 of 96 uh, with a 66.7 completion percentage, 792 yards uh, with 8.3 yards per attempt um, with uh, seven touchdowns and an interception with a rating of 157. Now, those those would rival Tate's. probably best passing numbers but you got to throw in at least early you got to throw in the rushing yards so obviously uh not an apples to apples situation but um yeah i think that's a pretty complete summary of the situation um 
so uh, we end up punting there. Stanford doesn't do much with the ball, which is a complete flip of the back and forth um, nature of the first half. And then um, you broke down uh, Tate's interception by Debo in pretty sc- excruciating detail um, on the subsequent drive. Uh, again, when we're in Stanford territory and, and just another futile drive in a row. I, at this point, and, and again, I'm just going to belabor my belief in the defense, and uh, I'm not completely sure I'm ready to – to um, say we're making a big difference by letting Yates go. But, I mean, that's got to be completely demoralizing for the defense to watch two offensive drives just end in the other side of the field with, with no results there. But I'd probably belabor the point. Ultimately, Stanford gets the ball. Um, and uh, there's 12 minutes left in the game, and they come down, and uh, they're able to kick a, a field goal at this point. And... Um, and so now that's a 10-point lead, and there's only six minutes left in the game, and you can feel it slipping away. Um, so Tate gets the remainder of the opportunities here, including that interception by Debo after that Ganell fumble. Do you think the Ganell fumble changed the rotation at all, or do you think at this point they just deferred to the more uh, experienced quarterback as, um, you know, we could go into – uh, Tate Tate has another drive that basically, um, you know, ends with uh, a fourth and thirteen with an incomplete pass to Joiner. Um, uh, Stanford punts and then the the Debo end zone interception, which really I'm not going to put too much on that. I mean, he, Tate was just giving his guy a chance late in the game, but it really probably was non consequential. By the way, there was a blatant pi in the end zone on the Cunningham pass. Oh yeah, um, before that, and that should have been. Uh, first and goal uh, for the Wildcats. But at that point in the game, I don't know that it would have made a difference. But you're talking about a potential for a touchdown and then an onside kick. So it certainly could have. Yeah. So I think to answer your question, I think that, um, yeah, I think that the Ganell fumble, if actually, I think it was just like both the Ganell fumble and then just Tate's experience. I think that kind of played into the fact that Tate got the final. Um, uh, final uh, uh, drives of the game. I do think that um, I don't rather think that uh, Gunnell's fumble will impact his playing time in the future, but I think for that specific game, it did, um, or at least had a part in it. Um, just for the simple fact that, you know, true freshman made a mistake, oopsie. Um, so, you know, and they decided to go with the, with the, um, the uh, experienced quarterback, even after, he threw that interception on the very next drive. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, to answer your question, I think both of them, you know, both both scenarios had a, a part to play in that. How do you see them managing that going forward? Do you think it's going to be two and two? Or, uh, you know, if one of them's burning it up, does if Tate goes on an incredible run to close out the season, I don't see this happening. Does Gunnell burn his red shirt with just five games of experience? No, I still think that they'll put him in um, like for like a series or two, and they'll have set series that he comes in, even if Tate's got the hot hand. And if Gannell has the hot hand, they may put him in for an extra series. You know, like they may be like, okay, Tate, hey, we're gonna we're gonna shift you a series over, and we're gonna put Tate, you know, have Gannell do like two series in a row, stuff like that. But um, I think that they're still gonna be playing him um, this this year, even if uh, Tate tears up, which I agree, I don't I don't see that happening. All right. Well, um, that's the state of the union. I, I think that, um, 
you know, knowing you, I don't. We didn't get a chance to get the over under, but I'm sure you would have gone with the over. Um, I still think Arizona has a reasonable chance to get to a bowl this year, and and when you get one of these middling bowls, I think you actually have a better chance of racking up another win and building some uh, confidence going into the next season. So um, I don't see why we couldn't beat Oregon State and and ASU. I don't, and not, like I said, I'm calling the ball on the Utah game. That that would be the classic Arizona win. Um, I don't know if I'd rather beat Oregon State and Utah and get a, maybe a top five win at that point uh, versus uh, losing to Utah and beating ASU. But um, either way, getting that six uh, game and uh, the bowl game and then getting another win uh, against even a you know a, an American Athletic Conference or a, a Western uh, Mountain West or whatnot, a whack type team uh, in some funky bowl, I, I think actually would be good for the team. Uh, but as um, – Oregon State rolls into town. Uh, Wildcats have dropped pretty precipitously on offense. They're now ranked 21 uh, in S&P Plus on offense. Uh, they were as high as seven in the nation prior after the Washington game and uh, 104 on defense. They had climbed uh, all the way into the 60s. I would say the 104 is still an improvement over previous seasons, but special teams is uh, an absolute disaster at 102, uh, putting Arizona overall at 62. Uh, Oregon State comes in uh, ranked 70th. Uh, their offense is uh, pretty good, but not as good as Arizona. They're ranked 35th, and their defense is on par with ours at 101, and their uh, special teams is 101 too. So this is uh, this is uh, strength against weakness, and weakness against strength, and two weaknesses against each other on special teams. <laughs> so there should be uh, plenty of opportunity for scoring in this game. Uh, Arizona is coming in at minus five and a half. That's down from seven. So apparently, people are rattled. Uh, with the uh, changes in the program or recent performances with an over under uh, at 71 that opened at 73. So uh, not quite as much um, appetite for the back and forth scoring, although it's uh, anticipated to be ample. Uh, What do you think about Arizona's chances uh, against Oregon state? Uh, I like Arizona's chances just because it's at home. It's homecoming. You know, there's a change in the staff. So that could, like I was mentioned earlier, that could create a spark and a bunch of energy on that side of the ball. I think that uh, I have no no qualms with the offense, honestly. Um, you know, it, 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 it to me, they showed and, and Mazzoni showed that um, they can bounce back from from crap performances. Uh, especially against Stanford. So um, I expect the same type of performance, if not better, uh, this week against Oregon State. So, yeah, I, I, I like Arizona's chances a lot. Are you going to give up five and a half? Uh, yeah, I'll take Arizona on that. How about the over-under? Ooh, that's a little bit different. Uh, 73? No, 71. 71. It's down from 73 where it opened. Not a big move. That's a ton of points these are two bad defenses yeah but you know at this it'll be like uh seven to ten as a desert swamp you know what just because i'm not entirely certain how arizona's defense is going to perform i'll take the over on that yeah i i I tend to agree with you i think i mean listen this is either going to be an absolute slugfest and the cats won't cover, but like squeak one out, in my opinion, because you know homage to the Desert Storm three, three yards in a cloud of dust and <laughs> yeah. lots of punting. 
um, you know, just because they have the throwback unis on, um, or it's going to be just up and down. And, uh, or, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable for Arizona to, to trash Oregon State and still cover the over, or even vice versa. I, I shudder to think, but I do really think um, the team will be galvanized with uh, the changes and, and they're going to want to show up for their coaches. So I, I would take Arizona, give up. Uh, I think they could easily win by a touchdown here. So five and a half doesn't really bother me. And, and I, I would still go with the over just based on the, the rankings uh, of both defenses. Um, so, well, it's good to have you back. Um, try to get um, back for a um, recruiting podcast with you and Gabe here uh, pretty quick, probably early um, next week. And then I'm going to have another uh uh, podcast with probably Javi and LG uh, just to get their thoughts on the, the games that they haven't had a chance to chime in on. It's been a while since we've done a podcast and then get their predictions. So we'll do a two for this week and then next week um, start concentrating on um, getting caught up on the, all the recruiting we haven't had a chance to cover. Um, anything else you want to touch on, Brandon, before we go? I think that's it, man. Welcome back and bear down, Brandon. Yeah, bear down.